January 2022 will mark two years since the body of missing 16-year-old Selena Not Afraid was found near a rest stop in Bighorn County, Montana, where she was last seen. Selena is the 28th missing or murdered Indigenous woman from Bighorn County since 1990. According to the CDC, murder is the third leading cause of death for Indigenous women. This is Selena's story. Hey guys, this is Osh. This is Shiashi. This is Maggie, and you're listening to We Are Resilient. Perfect. Look at that. Nailed it. <laughs> Last time, I think it took us about 15 minutes to get through just the intro. Remember the first time when we were in the room and Osh did her intro like 14 <laughs> times? <laughs> and then she wrote down, this is Osh. We're getting better. Already. Dang. <sighs> okay. Hey, we gotta stop. Okay. I gotta get in the Where you? true crime mode. Where you? All right. Okay, we ready? We're, we got this. Yes. So today I'm going to take us to Hardin, Montana to share with you guys the story of Selena Shelley Faye Not Afraid. Have you guys heard her name or her story? Yes. So when we talked about this one before, when we were like doing our, our case stories, I couldn't figure out where I heard it from, but I actually watched the Dateline episode this was on. So this one is really popular, which is great that it's getting so much coverage. So I'm interested to hear about it. Yeah, I've actually haven't heard this. Okay. So Selena was a young 16 year old indigenous girl who belonged to two tribal Indian nations, the Crow and Nakota. She grew up in Hardin, Montana, located in the Bighorn County. Hardin has a population of 3,818 and is located just north of the Crow Reservation. Bighorn County is the sixth largest county in Montana with a population exceeding 13,000. So it sounds like they have a pretty small population for a really big area. And what were the tribes again? Crow and Nakota. Mm -hmm. Selena was born June 8, 2003 to Jacqueline Big and Leroy Notafraid. She was a twin and her twin sister's name was Zoe. In her obituary, it mentions her parents and her adopted parents, Jonathan and Misty Brightwings. Selena mm -hmm. was described as a sweet, silly, fun-loving girl who had many friends. She loved beating, sewing, baking, and her horse walk. So you said she has uh, her birth parents, but also has adoptive parents? Yeah, and I didn't find much more about that. It was just listed in her obituary that she's survived by her parents and her adopted parents. And so um, as I talk about her siblings, it does mention a very big family. She was practicing to be a future ladies Indian relay race riding champion for the River Road Relay Team. Wow. She was active on the basketball and volleyball teams at Hardin High School, and she recently returned to jingle dress dancing at powwows. I just love this girl. And I think of wow. all the young girls that I know who are doing this thing, just enjoying life and just living their best indigenous lives. I mean, think about all the people we know. She's like doing everything, you know? Like, like well-rounded. Yeah. From like the beating and the... That's amazing. Culturally, you know, sports. She's involved in a lot of things. So it sounds like she's a really well-rounded, good kid. And how lucky are we as indigenous people that we get to walk in two worlds where we get to do those things that we might have a passion for, but we also have a cultural aspect that we can learn our cultural traditions, whether it's powwow dancing, our language, our traditional dances, traditional wear, and the list goes on of all the things that we get the best of two different worlds. And she was definitely <clears throat> inspiring and to learn more and to grow more in both worlds. It is like two worlds we're living in because a lot of us feel like we have this responsibility to keep our culture alive and to learn the language and learn the traditions, but at the same time, you know, be able to adapt and kind of live in today's world. 
I'm just amazed at anybody that does an array of yeah. things like that because that's a lot. Jingle dress dancing isn't easy. It's dance. a sport. It really is. Yeah. I mean, dancing um, like that is not, it's, it's a sport. It's, it's a workout. Yeah. Yeah. You remember the 4th of July powwow when I tried to do the, the sidestep and I was 40 seconds in and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> My calves hurt. I'm, just, I'm winded. <laughs> I'm just here for intertribal. <laughs> Right. And I just walked right off the thing when it was over. And Maggie was like, aren't you going to be judged? And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm not winning anything today. But that's okay. You got out there and tried. Yeah. And that's what's impressive about the younger generations today. It's just their ability to adapt and take on those roles and try new things and try new things culturally. Because sometimes doing things culturally is intimidating. You learn it and then you can pass it on. And the more you know, the more you can share with people. To put in perspective the life experiences she had, Selena shared on Facebook the tragic loss of her sister, Tristan Gray. So this is her twin sister. Right? No, not her twin sister, her older sister. Oh, okay. Tristan Gray was struck and killed by a nighttime driver in July of 2018. According to a, the Billings Gazette article, in 2018, they were asking for witnesses to come forward. Two vehicles were of interest seen leaving the scene. One was a white 2000s model Yukon and a mid-1890s Chevy truck. No suspects have been named and Tristan's murder remains unsolved. Oh my gosh, that's awful. Yes, and this is her older sister. How old so, was she when this happened? I think she was 22. So hold on, there's more. In 2017, Selena's brother Preston Bell was killed by the police. And not mm -hmm. much info was related in his case. There was not much that I could find in trying to research. So this family <laughs> has lost three children. So far they've lost And three. they really don't have any answers for any of these cases. Not in um, Tristan Gray because it's unsolved. And Preston Bell, I yeah. just couldn't find any information on yeah. it. Yeah, and I, even though they might know what happened, that it was a police killing, it's still just tragic and unexplained. Yeah, whatever the circumstances were, yeah. So, you know, we mentioned she has a twin sister, Zoe. Mm -hmm. Well, her twin sister, Zoe, completed suicide in 2014 at the age of 11. Oh, my gosh. gosh. 11 years just, old? Sad. I mean, I have a 12-year-old, and I can't even imagine those thoughts going through his head. This family has such a tragic history. Because right now, that's three siblings of Selena's. And then Selena, and then Selena herself. Yeah. The Rapid City Journal reported that Zoe Not Afraid, quote, was the youngest person in Montana to die by suicide in at least a decade, end quote. Oh my God. Her father, Leroy, led she was bullied in middle school. It's just so sad what this family has gone through. I mean, this happened in 2014, 2017, and then Tristan Gray, her sister, was in 2018. It's just like back to back to back for this family. I don't know how, how as a parent, I would be able to function. I with that much loss. I would to move on. Yeah. I couldn't imagine even just one of these instances happening. No. Let's get into Selena's story. According to court documents, on December 31st, 2019, Deandra Pittman, 20, invited Selena to a house party with the intended purpose of drinking alcohol. Okay, so how old was she? 16. So it sounds like she was hanging out with a much older crowd. Yes. Pittman states she passed out, and when she woke up, Selena was gone. Bighorn Sheriff Big Hair stated Selena was on her way to Harden from Billings on I-90 when the car she was riding in started having car trouble and pulled into a rest area. When family members went to pick her up, she was nowhere to be found, and Selena was last seen at 2 p.m. near mile marker 474. 2 p.m.? In the daytime, yes. You're going to have to elaborate on that. <laughs> yeah. I'm so confused. Yeah. 
She attended the house party okay. for New Year's Eve on December 31st. Whatever time elapsed, mm -hmm. at some point during the next day, they woke up New Year's Day, January 1st, 2020. Mm -hmm. This is the day after the party. Okay. And there was car trouble, and that's what caused them to pull over at the wrist area. Yes. Yeah. So you said that her friend knew that they had car trouble. So was she communicating with her? Did she wake up to text messages from her? No, the friend didn't say they had car trouble. That came from the sheriff of Bighorn oh, okay. County, Lawrence mm -hmm. Care. Gotcha. Okay. And that was according to the court documents that were later released. Okay. Mm -hmm. Selena was missing for almost three weeks before being found on January 20th, 2020, frozen to the ground less than a mile from the rest stop where she was last seen. Selena's body was found by a Department of Interior search team. No broken bones, no bullet wounds, and no violence to her body. Results of the autopsy resulted in hypothermia and her death was ruled accidental. Not to sound morbid, but would there be evidence of bodily fluids? That's what I was just about to say. Or, I don't know how cold it was and how the temperature would affect that. It may affect it to the point where, you know, like bodily fluids wouldn't be as prominent, but it still makes you wonder why there was I mean, nothing. If she, if she passed from hypothermia, maybe. I still have a question about the toxicology report. Did it come back with showing like any drugs or, you know, what was her alcohol level? It just... That it was still pending. No so you can't it. find any answers Not on that yet. either? Uh -uh. I even looked at toxicology report 2021. Nothing. So she was found 19 days later after she was last seen at 2 p.m. on January 1st. Less than a mile from the rest area. So I, I want to know a little bit more about this search because I'm really struggling right now to understand how it took 19 days to find her when she was less than a mile away from the rest area and disappeared at two o'clock in the yeah, afternoon. Yeah, I, I can't get past the 2 p.m. Yeah. Okay, well, the official story is Selena ran off in a field near the interstate and disappeared after being left at the rest stop with another young native girl. The other young lady was found hiding in a ditch with scratched legs from running through the bushes and no shoes. Okay, what was she hiding from? What was she, yeah, why was she running? Does it say? It doesn't say. I guess we need to know a little bit more about what happened whenever the van broke down. Right. And so we'll get into that a little later because okay. there are conflicting stories. There's the part in here that says that the boy dropped them off, called his mom to come get her. But then, the, but even the aunt says they came to get her and she was not there. So maybe one of the boys that was with her was like, hey, Selena just ran off. We yeah. left her. There are conflicting stories throughout the investigation. But whenever the family was called to come pick up Selena, they only found the young girl with scratch legs, no shoes, and she had no recollection. <laughs> what? She had no recollection. Okay. So do we have information on why they were left? There's no real clear answer. The officials did initially view Selena's case as suspicious. Selena's aunt, Cheryl Horn, stated the circumstances of her niece's death don't sit right with her, especially with the family history of what they've been through. She states, Selena wasn't stupid. She's very smart. When that happened to her sister and depressed, we spent all our time talking with her about being safe. What to do, where to go, who to run to, and who to call. So the fact that they tell me she ran to a field, I don't believe that. Horn believes she was taken. She won't accept the fact that she got out and ran away. The family started a GoFundMe page to raise award money for any information they could get. The family had to do their own investigating. They didn't believe authorities were doing enough. Horn mentions she was told, quote, My niece did not go willingly. She was only 16 and these kids were in their 20s. She doesn't do this. She doesn't not come home, end quote. 
And so they searched for days, setting up a camp at the rest area Selena was last seen. The authorities had a small command center at the scene, but Horn states the general public and tribal employees are doing most of the searching. After searching for days, the family believes Selena was not in the area. According to Facebook page for the missing Pacific Northwest, Selena was with a group of people driving to Harden. The van broke down and then restarted. Everyone got back in the van and left, leaving Not Afraid and the other girl behind. The driver called a relative to come pick up Selena. That's at least one version of the story. So they left their friends out in Montana in January and just drove off without them. According to one story. That's yes. one version of the story. Whose story was that? The driver? Yes. From what I understand, yes, that's what was told to the police. Horn claims in the interview with Heavy.com that there's about two or three different stories from the people in the van. A relative claimed on Facebook apparently they were all in a van and for some reason two girls were kicked out. One was found and Selena was still missing. Oh, so that story says they were kicked out, not mm-hmm. that they were let out. Yes. Or that they or the well, they ran that off. they ran yeah. off on their own. Yes. She also claimed, quote, the girl said Selena ran towards the trees in the field. And that's all she said. The girl they found with no shoes can't remember what happened, but she was scratched up and no shoes. Something had to have happened. That sounds very suspicious. I want to know when this girl with no shoes was found. Was it by, was it the next day or that same day? From what I can assume, from what I can gather, mm-hmm. when they dropped them off or when they stopped at the rest area at 2 p.m. and then whatever happened, happened and the van went away and they called the relatives, as they say they did, to come to the rest area. By the time they got there, Selena was gone and just this girl was there. So it could have been an hour later, it could have been minutes later. It doesn't really specify how the length of time. They found her with no shoes, with scratches on her and stuff. And, and she, she was has, hiding. She was hiding, but says she has no idea what happened. What happened? Well, we have to remember too, these people were probably not sober. So it could help contribute to why all the stories are conflicting because maybe they were so Maybe they don't really know. don't know what happened. Yeah. Well, I, I guess the question is for the girl that ran, the family founder or whoever found her with scratches all over her legs and she's like, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Like, you you got to have some kind of inkling why you ran. Mm, not when you're drunk. Tell me you've never been drunk and ran down a hallway <laughs> and you have no clue why you ran. So, yeah, I can believe that they could have been drinking all day night. long. Yeah. yeah. The they could have not even slept yet. So, we, I mean, she, she just doesn't recall. Yeah. And no matter what state of mind she was in, she just doesn't recall what had happened. Another story claims a man in a green car may have tried to get the two girls to go with them, and they ran. According to Horn, a Snapchat video shows Selena with the others at the rest area with, quote, two of the males in a fist fight, end quote. So it does sound like that they were just belligerent. This just sounds like a, a lot of mess. <laughs> yeah, a, there's so, a lot of stuff happening, and nobody knows what. And so all of these on. stories kind of conflict they kind of go together it sounds very chaotic there's just no concrete evidence as to what happened at that rest area why selena ran away she ran away she was taken we don't know well it kind of makes sense and follows the narrative like if they have been drinking and they're under the influence that there's all these different things going on nobody knows why someone's so left two people are fighting the van broke down. Uh, it sounds very chaotic. And it could be that if the people were fighting, maybe these girls were like, I don't want to get back in the van. They just take off. I'm going to walk from here or I'm going to wait till, you know, someone comes and picks me up. Yeah. Or maybe one of them even asked, like, can you call my mom? Tell them I'm at the rest yeah. area because the family found out about it, right? They knew to go back there and look and she just wasn't there. Maybe they were trying to get out of a bad situation. I, it's unclear. And that's why the family is wanting answers because... 
even to us it's unclear we don't know what's so confusing though is like she actually pointed out earlier she i don't understand how they did so many searches and you know found a girl right there did all these searches for weeks and never found the body and it was less than a mile away well and also their base camp was at that rest area so what they were you know all set up less than a mile from where she was found for three weeks. For three weeks. Well, 19 days. Just short or 19 days. Again, that's a part of this whole story that really doesn't make any sense to me. How do you miss that? Authorities even used high-powered drones that showed rabbits and mice in the fields. They searched by helicopter, horseback, side-by-sides, as well as on foot. Volunteers were stated as saying they looked in that very same spot and were unsuccessful. Another aunt of Selena, Annie Leader, stated, What I saw is there was no imprint of a body. If a body laid there for 19 days, there would have been an imprint on the frozen ground. She states, There were tire tracks near the site. However, Bighorn County Sheriff's Office denies this comment. In the Dateline episode two, I can like envision where they found her body because the aunt literally walks the mm-hmm. reporter there. Mm-hmm. And it's like this open field with like sparse trees. And like hardly anything around. And you're telling us that the search had side by sides, drones, drones, drones. rabbits and mice in the field. I I just got chills because there's no way, no way they could miss her. Even the volunteers, like I just said, stated they looked at that very same spot. It's less than half a mile from the last place she was seen, the rest area. For Maggie's saying, it's just, it's a big open field with like one or two trees. It's not like a wooded area. How do you miss that? That's There's no the, way. In the in the Dateline episode, that's one of the, the major points. Is, I don't know which aunt it was that did that episode, but she walked them out there and basically said, how do you miss this? We looked here. You don't miss that. Yeah. There's no way. And again, it's on the frozen ground. And in one article that I had read, probably on heavy.com, it stated that out in Montana, it's really cold. Mm-hmm. They said it was 30 degrees. And to them, that's not that cold. But still, the, the ground is frozen, and if she'd laid there for 19 days, there would be an imprint of her body there. Yeah. The family has some closure in finding Selena. However, they are still searching for answers as to what happened that day and what happened to Selena. That's it. I mean... It's sad because, you know, you said the family finds a little bit of comfort in finding her body, which yeah. is just terrible, first of all. Mm-hmm. But also that they found her body but don't have any answers. Right. And the answers that they do have don't make sense. Well, and you're right, because it does feel abrupt, but that's kind that's, of what they have. That's all they have. They just have her and no answers to what happened to her because there's so many stories. The one thing, though, that is really the waving red flag here is the level of searching they did. And her body was discovered 19 days later in this field that you're describing to us, Maggie. How would that would be missed? To me... It doesn't sound like she was there until 19 years later. Well, it's off-putting to me, too, that the community and the family coordinated all these searches and that ultimately she was found by a BIA search. The Department of Interior. Oh, the Department of Interior. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of confused about how this investigation may be rolled out. And maybe it sounds like in the beginning they weren't very serious about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then started putting resources towards it, which is how a lot of these cases end up. Keep in mind, like with most indigenous lands, varying jurisdictions do apply. You drive across the Crow and Northern Cheyenne Indian nations, with each having their own regulations and law enforcement agencies. One of the things that 
correlates back to the Savannah's Act that was signed because they're trying to figure out ways to coordinate those efforts between like federal, you know, law enforcement, state, tribal, so that there's like cohesion with these searches and with these teams. So we're not just kind of bound by, you know, one set of regulations versus another. And I know that's something that even our, you know, local police here have issues with. Right. Yeah. So one good thing that did come out of it, the Crow tribe's chairman met with former President Donald Trump in D.C., where Trump signed an executive order to better investigate and prevent missing and murdered Indian women called Operation Lady Justice. I'm not familiar with that either. From what I read, I believe it was about more um, responsibility on law enforcement into looking into these cases. So in a 2020 interview with Dateline, Cheryl warned Selena's aunt said, quote, a large percentage of these missing girls are indigenous, but this is not just an indigenous problem. This is a human problem. And right now I have a voice. You have a voice. Those who are missing do not have a voice and we need to be that voice for them, end quote. In 2019, the Associated Press reported about 78,000 indigenous people live in Montana. An indigenous person is four times more likely to go missing in Montana than a non-indigenous person. Oh my gosh, you said four times? Four times. When I was looking, there are other cases in Bighorn County. She's not the only one. Mm-hmm. Well, what's really you know, off-putting to me, too, is that one of their daughters was struck by a vehicle. They have the vehicle's description, and no one's been, you know, even investigated. Or coming forward. And yeah. they have all the people who were in this van who dropped these girls off, and none of them are being investigated. They just have settled with getting conflicting stories and not really knowing what happened that night. Even the girl that they found with scratches on her legs. I know we talked about it earlier, but she was essentially the last person to be with Selena that day. In situations like this where they're drinking and, you know, drugs can be involved, being in a place like Montana could be really dangerous. If you're drunk, you walk outside, you fall down. That Because it's so sparse too. Yeah. It's interesting that the rate for missing and murdered Indigenous women is so high mm-hmm. in that area. Four it makes times. you wonder. Yeah. Especially when there's been, you know, multiple cases of stuff happening to Indigenous women and no resolution. Just a sad story all the way around. So much heartache in this, this one family and all the loss they've suffered. And I do believe that when we lose our women, our Indigenous women, we lose the things that they learned. We lose the language, the cultural knowledge that they gained, um, the dances, the songs, whether it's the humor, whether it's the uh, resiliency. We lose those things in these women and we can't get them back. And so when we lose them, it was a big part of... A big part of our culture yeah. and their culture. So I know her story had just a pretty abrupt, tragic ending, but I'm still really frustrated that there were so many people with her that night that or that day that could potentially be helpful and know something and we still just don't know anything. Because there's so many stories. That would be enough reason to not just rule out hypothermia. The fact that there's so many conflicting stories. Well, I guess me too, like if I were an investigator, I wouldn't want to close a case that I had doubts about. And there's no way that this case is like open and closed. It's just really sad because it just feels like there is an ending to the story, but there's no real resolution. It's questionable. It's very questionable. It's so open-ended because none of the circumstances that led to her death makes sense. There's no, there's no clear story about what happened that day. There's mixed stories. How do you have closure on that when there's still so many unanswered questions? If this is happening this commonly, it's just something's not right. The amount of stories that are out there and need to be shared and need to be told is 
a bit overwhelming because there's so many and people aren't talking about them. But even just looking it up in Bighorn County, there was a 14 year old girl in December 2018 who went missing. And when they discovered her body, they determined her cause of death was hypothermia. You know, it just is it just the easiest thing to close book a case on and say it's hypothermia. Uh, let's move on. Let's not, you know, use our resources on this. Like all these cases just have these eerie similarities to them that people just aren't really investigating or doing the work to help these families get justice for their kids and justice for these women. The only way that we can help with anything regarding this case, just because there's like not a lot of info is just to help bring awareness to it and to maybe put some pressure on that police department to put more of an effort into looking into these cases, not only this one, but the other girls in the same county. You know, at this point, there's a lot of cases out there. She was just a baby. It's really sad. Somebody driving down the interstate that day could have seen her or could have seen two girls running or maybe somebody at the rest area saw the van or saw this fighting. This was two in the afternoon. There had to be other people around. You know, it's one of those things I think where I think we're frustrated because there's not really any solid answers here. So I can only imagine how the family feels. Because like I said, even in this case about the 14 year old, it's saying hypothermia because there was nothing on her and there were no signs of foul play. The same as what you're saying, Osh, in your story, exact same thing. And they're saying it's hypothermia. So are all these teenage indigenous girls just wandering out alone and dying of hypothermia? I highly doubt it considering Montana has the highest rates of missing and murdered indigenous women. None of it makes sense. It's all the same story. But I think this is one of those instances where there are people out there where it's like even the smallest details that people don't really think are relevant or make that much of a difference can really just open a case wide open. Well, I guess I'm just thinking this happened in the middle of the day at a rest area. There had to be people around. And we've talked about this before, but if I saw two teenage women or girls, because these were young girls, 16. Mm -hmm. I mean, she can't look much like an adult. Mm-hmm. running down beside the interstate or hobbling around in a field, I'd call the cops. Yeah. I mean, we call the cops about all kinds of things, but I'd be glad to call the cops if I saw someone that I thought was in trouble. So in researching Selena's story, it was frustrating because there was no clear storyline to follow and there was just no real answer as to what happened that day. So as frustrating as it was for me, I can understand how the family feels not accepting the conclusion of what the reports find. I hope that it brings awareness to not only the Michigan Murder Indigenous Women's Movement, but also to Selena herself, because she was a person. She was a sister, a daughter, a friend. I think that she deserves the respect of having her story told. If anybody's out there knows what happened and you have any information regarding the circumstances around Selena's death, you can call the Montana Department of Justice Division of Criminal Investigation at 406-444-3874. Going back to what Selena's aunt Cheryl Horn said about, I have a voice, you have a voice, and we need to be a voice for these women. I think it's very profound, and I think it's inspiring, and I think it hits home to what we're trying to do here. We're trying to give these women a voice, and we can only do that by sharing their stories and saying their names. And this girl, her name, Selena Not Afraid, deserves justice. I want to thank you guys for tuning in with us. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to We Are Resilient. For links for information found in this episode and to stay up to date on what's coming next, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at We Are Resilient Podcast. 
Send us an email at weareresilientpod at gmail.com or visit us at www.war-podcast.com.